Hey everyone, welcome back to Call Time, your podcast for event workers, hosted by Colin, Kristen, and Heather. Thanks for joining us. Well, it's been a little bit since the last time we were here, and we're going to do a deep dive today into all of that. How COVID took our momentum, shoot it up, spit it out, and how it seems like we take two steps forward and one step back. And how all of this is now a genuine mental health issue. Before we get too far into the weeds, let's say hi. Hey, everybody. I'm Kristen. I'm Colin. Hey, and I'm Heather. Let's dive right in. Today is our first interview. We talked to Stephanie Lewis, the costume designer for the Netflix series Ozark. Let's hear it for Ozark. We also chatted with yes, we we also chatted with her husband, a camera operator, Jackson Woods. They are such a great down to earth couple who has really rolled with the punches that COVID has thrown. Can't wait for you guys to hear it. However, before we get back get to that interview, we have a new team member. We're going to introduce Jeff, aka DJ Dino. He's a long time yes, that's uh, here for Dino. He's not with us recording today, but he will be on future recordings. You will hear him in the interview with Stephanie and Jackson. Jeff has a lot of expertise and years of service in working with the uh, event industry. He's got experience with podcasting and live producing and recording along amongst many other of his talents. He's an all around BAMF and we're excited to have him as a part of the production team. Let's hear it for Jeff. Um, Colin, I'm a little sad that I'm going to have to explain BAMF to my mom. Because she listens. So thanks for that, by the way. Well, well, this is a children's podcast, so we can't spell that. Put a disclaimer somewhere. That's right. Um, So we're also going to go ahead and officially introduce our social media manager, Casey. Casey has worked with the three of us here in Denver and has this incredible knack for all things social media. It just made sense that we brought her onto this team. So if you'd like to learn more about Casey, check out her incredibly powerful blog, Beautiful Brokenness at www.beautiful-brokenness.com. So welcome, Casey. And everyone just keep following our social media to see her great work. Amen. Yay, Casey. 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 Awesome. I like that. Since our last episode, the number of COVID-related deaths in the country has risen to nearly half a million. The NFL, at least here in Denver, got back up, sort of, and then shut back down. And we are still waiting for our concerts to come back. COVID, though, hit mm-hmm. our team here at Call Time for Events really hard. We've had family members of our team members lose their battle with this infuriating virus, and two of our team actually got COVID. The team as a whole hasn't been in the same room since last October, and it's hard to tell if it's getting better when the light at the end of the tunnel seems to be getting farther away. I tell you, this COVID stuff is no big, no, no joke at all. It's a big deal. I had it for uh, what seemed like forever. I had been diagnosed at the second half of December and had all of the symptoms that you've heard about. I'm not going to get into those, but yes, I had all of them with the exception of the pneumonia uh, part of it. I was thankful for that, but the the shortness of breath, the fatigue, all that stuff. And a lot of that is still with me. And I still don't think I've regained my sense of smell back all the way um, or my sense of taste. However, uh, the late, like just makes you lazy. It makes you want to sleep. It's hard to, to maintain high levels of energy. I gained weight just very, very bad all around. So the, the, the mental aspect of it, uh, I know Heather, you're going to talk a lot about that too, but the mental aspect of it is no joke either of the, just the fatigue of all of it. So with, with all of us dealing with this for almost a year and then getting it, it was just, it's, it's not fun. So if any of you have gotten it as well, uh, I hope you have a speedy recovery and not long lasting after effects, but it is, it is not something. It shut us down Mm -hmm. and just you getting sick. I'm so glad you're better. Shut me down yeah, for over a so month, so I get it. Yeah, Heather, how's it going on your end? You. Yeah, on my end, I you know have been lucky enough to not be diagnosed with COVID. However, you know I have been dealing 
for probably the first time in my life, really uh, my first experience, my first true experience with any type of anxiety. I mean, this COVID fatigue is just really hitting me hard and it just feels like it's compounding by the day. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, for me yeah. personally, my pre-COVID escape used to be attending shows, attending concerts and also traveling. And both of those have just been wiped straight out of my schedule from this virus. And so just because I haven't physically gotten the virus, I mean, I've definitely, um, it's hit me hard in my own personal way. And I'm sure like we'll talk about later, it's hit a lot of people in a lot of different ways being so isolated. So what about you, Kristen? Absolutely. Um, I like you have been blessed and I have not been diagnosed with COVID. Um, And that's good because I'm actually a respiratory risk. So we don't want that. So I'm, I'm incredibly thankful for that. Um, however, I will say that I'm, I'm frustrated with, um, I guess, the public. I guess, that's, I guess that's the best way to say it. Because the other day I was at a store and they had their sign up that said, wear masks. And you go into the store and you don't expect everybody. I mean, we worked a couple of football games. You all know not everybody's going to follow the rule. And people have their opinions about that. And that's fine. Um, but the rule is the rule. The rule is wear a mask. That's the rule, right? And so just follow the rules. So I was in the store and I would say it was 50-50. Half the people were wearing a mask, half were not. And so I happened to find a really nice person working in the store and I asked, um, because I was able to ask, I asked nicely and not confrontationally why they weren't enforcing their mask rule their mask mandate. And he looked me dead in the eye and said, we do not get paid enough. The stuff that people say to us and try to do to us when we ask them to put a mask on, we don't get paid enough to do. And my heart broke because that's unacceptable. They're just doing their job. They're just doing their job. And the rest of us can't get back to our job that we want so desperately with events because of people like that who are harassing and bullying people in stores that's just that's i'm really sad right now that's where i am with this whole thing yeah it sounds like it's across the board just fatiguing and draining on all levels physically emotionally spiritually Mm -hmm. the mental health aspect of it is so huge absolutely absolutely hopefully there's a light at the end of the tunnel oh yeah Well, there are new updates about what we should do to reopen almost daily. So from our nation's government to our own industry's leaders, uh, IAVM, which is the International Association of Venue Managers, they release new articles regularly discussing the topic of how to safely and strategically return to work where fans are present. So... Um, At least now, there has been mentioned by several entities that the entertainment industry and its workers need support. So we still need answers and we're still waiting. This brings up the question, is there still work out there for you guys, for us, for everyone? What do you guys think? I think there's I think there's work. I think it's hard to find. Um, I I actually am blessed to have a full time job, which is which is not something that very many of us can say. And that full-time job is in theatrical and event lighting. So it's kind of like event work adjacent. And I can tell you that we're getting busier. So I'm hoping that's an indication that there's more work coming. But getting down into the events with the fans. I mean, I came and went with the game, the Broncos games here. When they got back up, I worked. And when they didn't, I haven't been back. But I know you guys have done a couple things. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it works out there. I, I hope that it's coming back. It looks like it might be on my end. Yeah, I've definitely done what, ha, you know, little breadcrumbs of, of things here and there, whatever is available. And, you know, mostly, almost completely, it's been outside uh, environments, which is considered safer. So I've just taken what has um, been available and, you know, just everyone's just kind of doing their own thing and maybe not boasting about it because not everyone gets the opportunity to work like we used to be. So it's just taking it day by day and just trying to be positive about everything. Amen. Yeah. Amen to that. Just same here. Just like you, Heather, been working a couple different places, a couple small events uh i mean they normally wouldn't be small events but they are right now mm-hmm. and you know seeing the the different 
approach that different places have with the way that they handle COVID. And it's interesting how so many of the venues around the Denver metro area take it extremely seriously. And that's refreshing Mm -hmm. to see that because we've all been hit so hard and they know that in order for us to be able to be at full strength is we got to be able to get past this sooner than later. And it is really great to be able to see the commitment that all of these venues uh, have had around the metro area that have been open um, with the way that they take it and uh, the way that they're handling even the the athletes or uh, the staff, everybody take it very, very seriously. And, and it's what, is it what we want? No, it's not what we want. We want to have, you know, screaming fans all over the place, but it's what we're going to take for right now. And the one thing that, I still think about now is how weird it's going to be when we have fans back because now we're at almost a year of no fans. And uh, when we do get fans back, it is going to be very strange and it's going to be weird when we have no mask mandates, it's going to be very weird to adjust back to life. Now in a couple of years, we'll look back at all this and say, Hey, remember all that? But So the last thing that we're really going to talk about, though, before we get in, uh, into the interview is how this pandemic is becoming uh, and has been uh, become a real mental health crisis. And that's, I, I think, the tone yeah, of all of this discussion. And the Kaiser Family Foundation reported that 32 percent increase in the reporting of mental health issues just from July to August of 2020. What is more astonishing is that the U.S. Census Bureau reported that a full 42% of adults in the United States reported symptoms of mental health issues related to their dealing with COVID. With everything else going on, a mental health pandemic is about the last thing that we need. So what can be done? Well, I'm glad you asked. All right. So our friends at the CDC, they have a whole list of stuff up on their website. And one of the things they put up there, and I say, Colin, you'll like this one because you and I have talked about this with groups of people and classes we've taught together. One of the things they put on their website is self-care. Take, put yourself first and partake in some self-care. And I'm talking self-care, not, it's, it's not a trendy word. Um, it's not a way to give yourself permission to take a bubble bath. I'm talking about the vital component to making sure you are okay making sure your overall health is intact. Self-care can and should include things like saying no to a request when you know that you aren't firing on all cylinders. But don't be afraid to set boundaries and just say, hey, you know what? I need this space and I need this time. And it's it's not about putting yourself before everybody and It's not about putting yourself first. It's about putting your oxygen mask on first before you can assist those around you. And so there's this Zen philosophy that says that if you can't meditate for one hour a day, then meditate for two. And I think that's a really good thing to keep in mind. I'm not saying go and meditate, but I am saying if you can't find five minutes in your day to spend on yourself, then you need to find 10 because you're not putting yourself in a position to take care of yourself effectively at all. So whatever self-care looks like to you, make time and take care yep. of you. Yep. So yeah, absolutely. they also suggest more sleep and a better diet, which is a given. But a really big one is just to turn off the news. So actively avoid the information that is coming at you from all directions 24-7 about COVID. We've all experienced it. <laughs> take a break from the news, social media, literally anything that's COVID related. We understand that sometimes you can't get away from all of the information. The news is on in the morning and when you get home at night for most people, vice versa. So it's also on our phones and car radios and literally everywhere we look. It's up to you to self-impose a media blackout. It'll help you decompress and recharge, which is so absolutely necessary sometimes. Agreed. Turn it off. Raise your, raise your hand if you remember what time you had to be home as a kid. It was when the streetlights came on, right? <laughs> so it's like, we right. weren't playing with our phones right. or anything like that. And the only way you knew where your friends were was by where their bikes were parked. Yeah. At any rate, but to, most importantly with all of this is you have to talk, talk, 
Talk to your friends, talk to your family, spiritual leader, whomever it is that you have available. And do not be afraid to share your current state of mind. Articulate what you need. We have put so many resources on our social media. Contact us if you need to. We will get you help that you need. Here are some resources uh, that you can Google right now to check it out. Uh, You can also look at our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter for more numbers and websites. But obviously call 911. Hopefully you don't need to Google how to call 911. (laughs) But please make sure that you use 911. Um, you can use the national suicide prevention lifeline. Uh, that is, uh, uh, 1-800-SUICIDE is simply the number that you need for that. You can also contact the lifeline crisis chat, Google that mm-hmm. as well. Also look at our social media for that. Heather, you have some others. Yeah. In addition, there's also the national domestic violence hotline, national child abuse hotline, the national sexual assault hotline. And all three of these are incredibly important resources. And thankfully, they are all operating 24 hours a day, you guys. They're always accessible. And call those for other people if you need to as Absolutely. well. Because I don't, I don't think people call for themselves enough. Especially now. Um, finally, yeah, especially now. Finally, give a shot. Um, if you need it, call the Veterans Crisis Line. And the Elder Care Locator, a really cool resource um, for helping find help and care that you need to assist you in caring for the elderly people in your lives. This is a really great resource because our elderly population is suffering probably worse than most of us. So we need to really, really do that. Links are up on our social media and, uh, and always on the Center for Disease Control's website. We are a place for event workers, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yes, we are. And we are here for all event workers of whatever your job is, uh, whatever your position is in any kind of event or any kind of entertainment industry. And to that end, we are going to throw it over to our interview now where we're going to hear from Stephanie Lewis and Jackson Woods. So take it away. get started we're going to introduce the newest part member of our team Colin. yes i uh, just want to welcome jeff aka the dino uh hey, hey, he's hey. going to be our lifetime producer a real-time producer so welcome aboard jeff yeah boy. thank you we're excited to have you okay today we are thrilled to have stephanie and jackson so Stephanie and Jackson are members of the event industry on the TV film side of things, working behind the camera, um, keeping all of the things that we love to watch going. Uh, Stephanie, you are the, currently, you are the costume designer for the Netflix series Ozark, and we're going to talk about that. And Jackson, you are a camera operator, director of photography, all things camera related, and we're going to jump into that. So thank you for being here with us. We're super excited yeah. to talk to you. Yeah, and welcome so we're going to start. Yeah, welcome. Um, so we're going to start with you, Stephanie. Um, first of all, Ozark, fully addictive show. I won't let my mom watch it, but I can't wait for season four. And you're on set right now for season four. Yeah, we are trying to be on set for season four right now. We are doing <laughs> our best with the global pandemic and COVID protocols, but we are slowly shooting season four. Yes. I'm so excited because I will tell you, and you all can jump in if you want to, but season three, the last episode, the last moment of the last episode, I was without the ability to breathe. I was so shocked. And I think that's exactly what it should do. But now I, my life is, you know, ruined because there's no season four. I need it. And who Uh, knows at this point when we're actually going to finish it and when it's going to come out. So don't hold your breath too long. (laughs) I I must. Such a good show. So heavily Oh, so heavily addicted. And I believe that, Colin, you've introduced a few people to the show. And yeah. A binge-worthy thing in your house, yeah? Yeah, we've been, uh, we, we, we watched a lot of it um, over the holidays and whatnot. And coming up on the last, like, three, maybe four episodes of the third season. So <laughs> we're trying not to go too fast because we know we have to wait quite a while for the rest of it to come out. <laughs> the fourth season right now, and we have 14 episodes to get through. Um, we're just working on the first three right now and it's slow going. So, all right, well, I'm going to start with the question, Stephanie, how, so I know how you go and you, you get a degree in costume design and you decide you love this, but how do you get a job like designer of a Netflix series? How'd you get this job? How'd you get Ozark? I think about this a lot because I think 
about, I want to say it was luck, but I also know that I worked really hard um, to get to where I am. And I'm not sure where those cross paths or like how much luck and how much hard work it was, but it was a lot of being in the right place at the right time. And also just like throwing myself into it. Um, like waking up at 4am and having to like get people's coffee and breakfast burritos and steam clothes and do returns. Like I would have way rather gone to school for just like six hours. <laughs> like, that's way easier. Um, so that's kind of how I got started. As you know, I grew up in New Mexico and I was a theater costume design major at the University of New Mexico. And during that time, the film incentives were coming to New Mexico and there wasn't a big film program at the college. So we were lucky enough as design students in the theater program to be able to take independent studies and BPAs or interns on movies. I think this was still in the time when you could have interns that didn't even have to have college credits. Like, but we had such a small department that my professors were allowing us to like go PA and I'll give you college credit. Um, we could call this some sort of like study that you did. And they were really willing to work with us because the incentives were so strong coming into New Mexico and it was pretty early on in that. So I got, that's why I said was lucky because I got in at the ground floor. When I graduated, um, I had, I sort of had my foot in the door and I got my first job as an additional seamstress on the movie, No Country for Old Men, which is kind of crazy because I now as a designer would not hire myself as a seamstress on that movie. Um, I wouldn't even hire myself as a seamstress on any of the movies I do. So <laughs> but that shows how much like they needed local hires and maybe I'm cutting myself a little bit short, but um you know, it's just right place at right time. That's great. That's great. So um, Jackson, tell us about how you got your current job and like what your career path was. Um, so I'm a camera operator. Um, and I went to film school in Vancouver and then came down to Los Angeles and kind of uh, worked on, you know, a lot of pretty terrible projects, just kind of trying to meet as many people as I could basically. And make a name for yourself as it were yeah yeah kind of you just get on people's radar like it's very social how everyone pretty much in the film industry gets their work like so you know if you have a good experience with people on a job and you didn't mess it up too bad you're probably gonna work with them again you know yeah well, in the theater, yeah in the theater world we say don't burn bridges because there's only six people in theater and you're gonna work with all of them yeah totally. <laughs> so you know and it it, it gets Sometimes you'll go from job to job and you'll do really great things. And then you will meet that person you don't necessarily connect with. And you're like, you really have to do some soul searching on whether or not you want to maintain that bridge because they yeah. could be connected to the person at your next job. And it's, it's crazy. It's fun for freelance too, because they, like the idea of not burning bridges, like, you know, each job has its own dynamic and you have your own dynamic within that job. And so does everyone you work with. So someone you might, you know, not get along with on a particular job, next time you see them, they, they might be your best friend on that job based off of what yeah. the circumstances are. So it's, yeah, it's really important not to burn bridges. Jackson and I have this conversation a lot where it's like, I don't know if I really did all say like, I don't know if I did a good job on that project, but I think they thought it was cool. You know, so like sometimes it is just more about your relationship. Like they were like, okay, I could work with her. Like maybe she didn't do the best job and she didn't do the worst job, but she was like at least a pleasure to work with. So we'll bring her back. Yeah, that's, that's so important. I mean, if, yeah. if you don't get along with people, maybe find a whole other industry. So you all, so we're going to talk about COVID because that's kind of the deep dive that we're doing right now. Um, and I know that we've had a chance to have some previous conversations to this um, about your time at Ozark and being on the set and you're still there. We're talking to you right now and you're in Atlanta on, on set. That is correct. Correct. Yeah. But you're shut down. Right. We are shut down right now. So <laughs> I was so excited to hear that Ozark was back up and running because I thought maybe, you know, this whole time we're going to take our lead from the TV and film industry, because if you remember it, when everything shut down, 
sports shut down, Broadway shut down. And then, you know, the, the dominoes fell and we kind of were looking to TV and film to maybe if you guys can get back up, the rest of us can. So what happened? There's a lot of things that happened. And I do have to say, like, from what I've heard for, from this shutdown, from our producers is, I'm glad we're shut down. Because I would rather work in a safe environment that, or not work and be shut down in an unsafe environment and let them figure out what they need to do to make our environment safe. So this is a learning process for everyone. You know, the producers don't know what they're doing. Even our COVID people, we have a whole COVID team who's on, but they don't work with productions. They work with infectious diseases in the world. Like they don't know how how incestuous film crews are, which is crazy. And they're like telling us to stay six feet apart. And we're like, mm-hmm, okay, we're going to stay six feet apart. So this is my sister over here. Are you kidding? <laughs> like- yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're in a fourth season show where everyone's family and it's really easy. Like I'm sure we all kind of understand if anyone saw their family over the holidays. I know I did. And like, I was like a little bit too lenient with my family. And later I was like, was that safe? I don't know if it was, but like, that's kind of how it feels on Ozark because we are so close. Um, so there's all these protocols that are in place and we don't know what goes wrong or how the protocols don't work until they don't. Uh, it's only whenever something falls through the crack and a big mess up happens, then we learn where like the holes were. Like what not to do. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So like recently our head caterer, this is why we're shut down for two reasons. Um, Our head caterer has COVID. He's serving food to everybody. Um, These caterers all live in the same house and travel in the same vehicles to and from set. Um, But then we have a contact tracing method And when we contact traced who, and it's just a word of mouth, like you say, hey, who do you think you've been around for 15 minutes, you know, and they say it and these names came in and it was like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think there's more names than that. Or like, how can that be true? And also like, we all ate the food from these people, even if all those names were true. So the caterer was the big one that shut us down this time. And, um, then we had a stand in who unfortunately, you know, was really close to all the actors and really close to all the camera operators. And that was the other main reason is our whole camera department went down because they were in close contact for longer than 15 minutes, even though they were all wearing masks all the time, they're just taking Uber precautions. And the one good thing about Ozark, I do have to say is we haven't had an outbreak. Like oh, we've good. had a lot of positive tests. I think there's like over 50 positive tests, but it hasn't been a big outbreak. Is that like staggered or not all at once? Um, it's been since se- since October. We've oh, had a test. Yeah. Wow. So there's uh, really the contact tracing that my that our production is trying to figure out right now, and I have to have a Zoom meeting on Monday like as a department head before we come back to talk about it because that sounds a lot like what we've had to go through here too with some of the events that we get going where they when the uh, a new venue is opening up or having fans or not even fans just opening up to a few employees they're no longer saying you're not you know you're not going to get it if you don't if you don't follow these rules they just say it's only a matter of time before you get it yeah and if you do get it don't feel bad because that contact tracing can be intimidating and humiliating because you're like, oh man, like who was I around? So I, I totally understand that. I understand that you need to be anonymous if you have contracted COVID for all these reasons of like being shamed, but on a film crew of like a hundred people, sometimes you don't remember who you were around three days ago. And you don't remember if you were around them for 15 minutes. So there's this really tricky thing of keeping someone's privacy, but also keeping everyone else safe that we don't quite know how to deal with yet. That's insane. So Jackson, I want to touch base with you because 
your situation was different. You're not honest. You're not, you weren't on a, you, weren't you finishing up a show as the pandemic hit? And so like, what well, uh, your situation? No, I was just about to start one. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So like, you know, travel arrangements were starting to be made. And like, I think the night before I was supposed to fly out, like the whole project shut down. Ugh. And you haven't, and, and that's just it. No other gigs, no work. Just At that time, no, nothing else came up. We were we were pretty much home for I don't even. March. Know, it was in the time August. vortex of like five months. I don't know. Yeah, March to August. Which was was great, you know. As long as you're not freaking out about not working and not having money, it was amazing. Like you're <laughs> you're waiting in the wings, as they say. <laughs> yeah, it was it was amazing. Like we were in a new house. You know, we've got a new kid to, to someone like a toddler now. But you know it. That was the most time by far the three of us had ever had together. Yeah, with know. our transient lifestyle, yeah. it was kind of awesome to have six months alone. That's one good thing you can say about the pandemic. Yeah. pandemic. We Still spent running. the most time together as a family that we yeah. ever had. But then Jackson did have to leave again because that show started up at the end of August in Atlanta. Yeah. So you... So I went back to work first in August and flew out here to Atlanta and it was for the same job. It's just that, you know, it was X amount of months later and the budget changes because now for COVID protocols that everything shifts kind of. So even though it was the same idea of a movie, it was kind of a different project. Oh, okay. Now I know, and I think everybody should, and we're going to put a link to your IMDb page because it's a really fascinating, fun to look, fun page to look at, but (laughs) I noticed that you've done tons of TV shows and tons of movies, which I told you I've been trying to watch all of them so that I can become the Jackson expert. Um, I you officially the Jackson expert. <laughs> I love that. I love that title. Um, you, I, I guess where I'm going with my question is, um, it, if I were just to look at your body of work, it seems like you get more film than TV, but is that a thing? What, how does that work? No, for me, it's kind of all the same thing at this point. Like, um, so I'm a camera operator now, but I started as a camera assistant. There's kind of different levels for camera assistant, like loader, second AC, first AC, and then camera operator. Um, so when I started, I felt there was more of a difference. Like if you were in one, you didn't work as much in the other one or something like that. But I don't feel that anymore. Like it, it kind of seems like all it's all the same thing. And part of that might be streaming. I don't know if it's the business trends, but like I, I get my work socially, like we were talking about, like, so the directors of photography that I know that like working with me, if, if they get a job that could be on television or commercials even, and they need a camera operator, hopefully they call me. Awesome. That's how a lot of the industry is in the entertainment yeah. world, whether it's, you know, on, uh, where you guys are behind the scenes and behind the camera in our experience with working with event staff. I mean, you see the same bartenders at every event, you see the same, you know, stage yeah. crew, the same security front of state. And then you, you start to hear about these crews and that's how I've always known it for, you know, yeah. 24 years. I mean, I said it and it sounded like a joke, like the idea of like, you know, and as long as you didn't mess up the job too bad, but that's kind of it. Like, of course, doing the best job possible is very, very important, right? right? But there's a huge function to just continuing on with the same momentum you've had on a previous project. All the shorthands that you build up over a project carry over to the next one. So if you have a working dynamic already in place for your team, you can hit the next project with like, you can hit it running basically. And also that same thing about just being nice. like Yeah. You know, being nice has so much to do with why I think I get rehired. I think there's other costume designers who are much more talented than me, but I think, like, sometimes people just, like, know that I'm collaborative and that they can work with me, and we can have some fun because we're going to spend 12 to 14 hours a day with each other. We're going to spend more time with each other than we are with our whole family, and... Mm-hmm. let's have fun and let's hire people who are nice like that's great yeah just and, like how in the event industry you definitely have to have that that persona you have to make your job enjoyable you have to have that customer service orientation at least on our side of things where we're very uh, you know like 
attend like event attendee based like you have to be there for the patrons and have that personable element for sure yeah. and, 100%, and like that also has to be something that is like actual genuine because you can't like on a tv show where we're shooting for nine months you can't fake that for nine months you know so like it's a big question for like your personal growth and like your mental health like am i in check to like be good and be nice and present this because you can't you can't fake it and right like I think some, you can fake it some and you can't fake talent some, but there has, there's a balance of like where it all evens out. (laughs) For sure. For sure. Yeah. We say that all the time and, and Heather, Colin and I have all served in leadership positions in the event industry and same here have, and, and Jeff. And it's like, and it's like, I'm sorry, I don't want to work with you again. Like there are people, there've been times I have either gone to find Heather at a football game and say, I can't do it. I can't, you go talk to them. And there have been times I've called Colin. It is midnight. A concert is still going. And I'll say you come or I'm going to lose my mind because Your story. it's, it's, it's all about being nice. It's all about being easy to work with. And, and that's just, we're dealing with the front of house stuff. So it's- yeah, whether it's the front of the house or the back of the house, you really have to mm-hmm. like, it's, it can be testing at times and you really have to like know your limits and also push yourself to be that personable person for your own self-growth for yeah. sure. Well, it's a good lesson to learn and it's good to know those limits. And yeah. so like I, I own my company, I work undercover at concerts and I own my company and I'll tell you right now, like if, if I have one of my agents that is friendly and personable and fun, they're going to get they're going to get put on as many shows as I can put them on in the summer, because even if they're not my best guy, I'll work with them or girl. Yeah. Like, the but, costume design. I don't think I'm the best, but I right. think people around me. But if you show yeah. up and you're grumpy and complaining and blah, 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 I'm less likely to bring you back. Absolutely. I think you're the best. Thanks, I mean, cuz. I'm biased. There's, so, there's blood here. <laughs> so have either of you ever turned down a gig because the, the whoever was running the show or the movie or whatever, was it a person that you'd either worked oh. with before and had bad experiences or a company or a studio? You don't have to name names. But have you ever has that ever come into your own personal evaluation of taking a job? Or is it just like, you know what, I'm going to take it. I'll get through it. I'll build my resume and I'll, I'll, I'll think twice about working no, with this just person again. dish. I want names. <laughs> <laughs> name, name, name. Uh, yeah, that's that's definitely happening. I don't have any exciting stories that, you know, other people would care about. But, you know, you there's definitely times where especially if there's two jobs on the line and, you know, one is with, you know, suggesting experience that you're not going to enjoy because of previous experiences. And maybe the other one is a new, (laughs) (laughs) and maybe the other one even pays less or something, but you might go with the less money just because that's, that's the dollar amount of what it's worth to not, work with previous people or be in a dynamic that you see coming or whatever it is. Yeah. I have kind of an off, not opposite, but sort of a different take on it. Um, I have said multiple times, like I finished a job and I've come home to Jackson and I've been miserable on that job. And I come home to Jackson, never going to work with that person again. And that person calls me again for a job and my ego is so flattered, you know, that they want me again and I'm not working at this time. Like there's this really weird, like mental thing that happens to you. And you're like, but they like me. They really liked me. So yeah, yeah, I'm going to do it again. And Jackson's like, no, you hated them. And it's like, but I don't care. They like me. I'm going to do it. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's not a of experience that like you have to sort of, weigh the pros and cons of and I'm only barely getting better at it I think but that's also because like I'm growing a little bit like career-wise like when you're young you take the jobs that are offered to you yeah as you get older you you work you work for free and shouldn't like the thing that our industry does is we work for free and we shouldn't because our craft is our art is our product is our resume but we give it away 
And, and so for and, the past like four years, it's been easier for me to walk away from those jobs because I knew yeah. I was coming back from Ozark. Now Ozark is ending again, or not again, but Ozark is ending. Let's see That's what's going to happen to me. Yeah. So speaking of way the direction, I mean, if if for some reason you both your careers ended today, which that's not going to happen, I you two have a lot of many years of movie and TV magic ahead of you. But if you could look back, is there a specific show or movie or anything that you could say, you know what, that's my gold star. I'm hanging my hat on that. Is like when when Hollywood remembers me or whatever. This is what I want them to look back and remember me as. The movie. Or show that I think Hollywood would remember me as was not the most proudest I was of who I was in my life at that time. Oh, interesting. And so, but it's tricky. I did really good work and it's gotten me really far in my career. But as, am I proud of like the human I was at that point? Not really. I'm still well, now not I gotta proud know of who what I show am. that was. <laughs> So, you know, it's kind of like, there's, there's always these pros and cons, like, and you have to learn, like I put everything into a job, but then I like sacrifice personally, or I didn't put everything into a job that I should have. And then I put more into my personal, it's, it's that balance. And how do you figure it out? I think I've even personally experienced that, like, you know, being in the events industry, that was never my full-time job. It was a part-time job, but sometimes with the flexibility that our job offered us where Kristen and Colin met, you know, you have the option sometimes in the busy season, which was the summer, you could completely fill up your whole schedule with as many different types of events that you wanted to work. And then that took a toll on, you know, other parts of your life. So it really is when it comes to the events industry, it is all about balance and like knowing what's right for you for sure. And again, it's kind of one of those things where like, you really don't know you cross the line until you cross the line. Yep. Yeah. And then you have to learn that, okay, that was too far. And even with COVID, I think a lot of us learned we were overworking ourselves and then it was a huge reality check when, like you said earlier, all of a sudden you have all this time and it's a, it's a weird reality check. You know, it's, it's, it was in some ways it's a silver lining because you get more time back, but then at the same time, it's disappointing. I'm so (laughs) bored. That's what I said when we went down, when we got shut down, I worked Monday only and we got shut down Monday afternoon. And I was like, I got to find a new hobby. And what hobby do you have? Can I find with a two-year-old hanging off my back? Like, I don't know what to do. (laughs) I love it. Well, speaking of all of that, we are going to have to figure out a new normal. Like I said earlier, how do we keep making TV shows and movies? How do we eventually get to making live events? How do we, something's got to give. Yes, the vaccine is coming. I think the vaccines are the biggest part of that, right? Yeah. I mean, yep. we got to do something, right? Are we going to forever from here on out wear masks at crowded events? Not that the rave industry will be missing anything because they do that anyway, but... <laughs> I wouldn't uh, attest to the the quality of the masks are truly not. (laughs) You mean cleanliness. (laughs) I don't think we will. Like watching sort of America as a divided nation, seeing a response to wearing a mask during a pandemic. I don't think that we can expect everyone at a Denver Broncos game to wear a mask. Like, I just don't think it's realistic. They definitely don't want to. I will tell you that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and first-hand knowledge. We're in Georgia. Like, yeah, we flipped blue, but barely. Um, so, and I'm saying we are like I'm from Georgia. But, um, I bet they're, they're locally at the moment. During flu, flu season of people that just yeah. choose for personal practice to keep wearing masks. I mean, though. that would be great. It's very much like Asian countries who do it on the airplanes mm-hmm. all the time, and we've Americans have always laughed at them and had fun at them and they're like we're not doing this to protect ourselves we're doing this to protect other people and that would be an amazing thing if we could adopt yes it would 
I, I also okay. think I, from from conversations I've had with different venues and upper management and whatnot, uh, I, I I have talked to some people that said they're going to still wear their mask when they're in public for quite a long time, um, especially if they're in larger crowds. And they're not even using COVID as the example because they're saying that they've never been this healthy in the winter. Like yeah, they're right. saying, I have never been this healthy in the winter. Like I didn't get the flu and, you know, or whatever. So I, I think we'll see a lot more personal preference going down the road. I don't think we'll ever see a hundred percent mask mandate for full sold out venues. That'll never happen. But I think he, Jackson, you're right. Your vaccine. Two year old to wear a mask. And now he just like socks, shoes, mask out the door. And he doesn't oh. want to leave the door without his shoes or his mask. That's so fair. that's normal for him. And we're kind of like keeping that as his normal until we don't have to anymore. And I'm willing to keep that as normal. And I don't know, for a couple of years, like he doesn't know a difference yet. Right. Exactly. So, this is their normal. These children that are born into this age, this is all they know. Yeah. Now, yeah. do people think it's weird that he's just running around in socks and shoes and a mask? <laughs> <laughs> the essential clothing items. <laughs> Actually, no one notices anything else that all the other items are missing. They're just like really complimentary. Because <laughs> I get great. in trouble when I try to do that. <laughs> so they're just in socks yeah. and shoes. Yeah. And we're like, don't worry, we bribed them with chocolate. It's not our best <laughs> moment. So give or take a little bit. Don't worry, he's not. Is he potty trained yet? So no, he's not real. like anybody wears a mask. <laughs> he and I have a lot in common. <laughs> I love well I heard things like I heard a rumor that Ticketmaster is considering um making part of their ticket app that you have to prove you've been vaccinated before you can buy a ticket to the event and or test negative or test negative and I just I don't know all of a sudden we're being thrust back to I mean is that a violation of HIPAA but heck yeah I'd have a lot more fun at a at a concert or an event if I knew that everybody was safe yeah, but then we get into this thing of like fake ids right so like fake vaccination which are already a thing yeah they're, they're already it's already a thing no. Ugh, it's so crazy i don't know so tom cruise was notably on the news uh ranting about not wearing masks and threatening to fire people and you guys are in that industry you're in his industry you're you're adjacent what did you think what'd you think of the of the monologue <laughs> I mean, I support, I have to say, I support it. I support anyone who is going, especially as a production head or number one on the call sheet, as Tom Cruise is, to call out his crew and his cast for not following guidelines that are set in stone. No matter what I think about Tom Cruise, whether what I think about his sanity or his past um, <laughs> sort of <laughs> rants. Um, in this specific case, I mean, I got to be on board for supporting social distancing and masking. Like, I don't know. I wasn't there and I didn't listen to it, but I heard about it. So I don't know what else to say, except for you just got to support. Yeah. I, I heard it. I don't think it comes off great, you know, if, if you're, you know, a middle America grandma that's a big Tom Cruise fan, you know, you might have a lot of questions all of a sudden, but for a guy that has, you know, questionably like the last real movie star of America uh, and has a lot riding on trying to get this giant production going and he's, you know, he's the business end of that as, as well as the face of the movie it makes sense to me yeah. why an eruption yeah. like that happen if there's been possible you know avenues for COVID to sneak into that production and how important it is clearly for him to keep it out or even just for them to set an example which is a thing yeah. that like I've kind of seen with our production because we like in Atlanta we're a fourth season production and there's other productions that are like first season productions following our guidelines um, so maybe he just wanted to take a leadership role and be like, I'm trying to set the standard. I don't know. Maybe I'm giving Tom Cruise too much credit. Well, I, I will tell you that I mean, the, the rant was definitely something I didn't find shocking coming from him. 
Yeah. I was like, oh, that's not surprising. But I did appreciate the fact that he mentioned the little guy in that. He was like, there's people yeah. at home that aren't working. There's people that are depending on us to get this done. Everybody along the line. I did take that little piece away from it and say, at least he's thinking about that. And that, that speaks to our podcast. You know, the, yeah. the our podcast, our, our main audience is other event workers, whether they, they work you know, behind the scenes of a camera or on a, on a set or they, they're catching crowd surfers at Warp Tour or whatever it is they do in the event industry. So my next question for you is, is what words of encouragement do you have for those event workers that are waiting to work or getting little kibbles and bits of work right now? What, what would you say to those event workers listening now? I mean, I don't actually have real words of encouragement, but this isn't any different than what it is different. It's 100% different, but we are freelancers. We go gig to gig. We're strong. We climb up hills and we fall down low and we climb up again. And this is just another hill and valley that we're going through and none of us are workers who have like constant paychecks or constant income and know where our next check is coming from and we work hard for it and let's hope that this new administration is going to help us like climb a little bit harder and faster and easier but we all know that we're climbers Absolutely. I totally relate to that. Like, you know, we're already in a kind of uh, roller coaster esque, (laughs) uh, where you never know, like, what the schedule is going to be like. And so we just kind of have to, like, continue to go with the flow and do the best that we can. Harder right now. Yeah. There's going to be a time that we're hopefully going to be able to climb easier. (laughs) I will tell you that the uh the old school guys that are listening to this will appreciate this but we have a we have a saying in security that when the apocalypse happens the only thing that's going to be left are cockroaches and security guards (laughs) (laughs) well as we wrap up we have five questions that we're ask everybody so we're going to ask you guys so don't no pressure it's not a speed round or anything you can think (laughs) you can take your time all right yeah but i don't know i'm not very quick okay go ahead So what was the first attended first event that either of you attended in person? Could be a concert, sporting event. What's your first memory? Um, you know so I grew, grew up in Southern Oregon uh, with a renowned Shakespeare uh, theater. And so yeah, you did. I went to that as a young kid, probably. That's awesome. Yeah, I knew Kristen would love that one. <laughs> I'm so excited. It'd be even better if you remember your first Shakespeare play, do you? It was Midsummer, right? Isn't it always for kids? I think it was Hamlet, but I, I'm not, I couldn't oh. be. I'm going to bring Midsummer back in another question later. Um, okay. Mine was a Vince Gill concert with my mother. <laughs> <laughs> my next question is, and I know from personal experience, it's really hard to pick just one, but if you guys had to say, what is your favorite event that you have ever attended? Oof. Mine is not hard to pick. Um, Hands down, I attended the Women's March in 2016. I don't think anything in my life will ever, like, top that. I really should have gone before you. I don't have anything. (laughs) (laughs) Hers can take two spots. (laughs) That was the most monumental thing you could say. And that was like, I I don't know how I'll ever even top that in my life. Like, yeah. It was yeah. the most amazing experience I could ever have. And you know, and that's so cool that that's your answer because we're so used to heavily produced, planned out, you know, ticketed events. And the fact that your favorite event that you've ever attended was an organic, you know, grassroots. Yeah, now event. we're learning that these marches and these things are produced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. that they are like very. Yeah like organized and I don't think they're on the same level of what you guys are doing but well the women's march is now I think they're an LLC or a 501c3 now they're they're legit now it's a what became the largest peaceful protest in the history because it was on all seven continents including Antarctica that's really cool it was really cool yeah okay so my question is 
and I don't know if it's a hybrid. I know that, um, Stephanie, I know you started in theater, but can you both remember the very first event you've ever worked? The very first event you ever worked that you were paid for? Like mine would be a production of West Side Story in Santa Fe. <laughs> sure, it was a concert, but that it, like I was shooting, but I can't, I couldn't tell you what it was. I'm not sure. <laughs> They're all one big event. <laughs> Um, the first event I ever worked was a production of Midsummer Night's Dream when I was an undergrad at Florida State, but paid for Phantom of the Opera at Pope Joy nice. as awesome. a dresser. Yeah. Nice. Nice. The national tour. Yeah. Yeah. That's Excellent. Awesome. Okay. All right. So if we were to press play on your playlists right now, what would we hear? I'm very into this artist named Sarah Shook, but they are super cool, kind of Americana, kind of country, kind of Nashville. I think it's Sarah Shook and the Disarmers. The Disarmers, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Spotify. A, <laughs> I love Spotify. They had a um, band before that was like Sarah Shook and the Devils or something. So I didn't want to misspeak because they had two um different ones so awesome the disarmers all right so then because you guys you know are very uh entrenched in this industry if we were to turn on your favorite streaming service um for Uh you know tv and movies like what would be something that pops up immediately for you guys you're recently watched yeah recently watched the true crime murder at Middle Beach. We watch everything together. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, are you like having to, you know, clear your answer with each other? <laughs> that one, but I don't think that one was noteworthy. Okay. <laughs> Succession. Yeah, we just finished season two of Succession. And Queen's Gambit. Oh, Queen's Gambit. Amen. I've been meaning to watch that. We were late to the game on Queen's Gambit, but... So great. <laughs> Is it good? We... I haven't watched it yet. So good. Well, yeah. Colin, finish us. I can go watch Queen's Gambit. <laughs> you got it. We just finished Bloom. Um, What is Bloom on? What, what is it on? Netflix. Yeah. I Bloom. Holy cow. Bloom is... It's Australian, and it's about a weird, funky flower that makes you young again. Watch it. It's insane. Okay, because we were about to buy a subscription to Apple because we were like, well, I think we're out of Netflix, Hulu, Amazon. Like, I think we've eat, eaten them all up in the 10 months of COVID. So <laughs> yep. we're going to dive into Apple now. I just got <laughs> HBO Max and, um, for that very reason to yeah. open up a whole new level of stuff. <laughs> um, I, we just did Bloom and now we're in second, uh, no, Secret Secret City. Is that what it's called? And another Australian film, all the same actors in Bloom. <laughs> It's exactly five actors in Australia. That's great. (laughs) Yeah, it was absolutely fun. Thank you so much for doing this. We're so happy you took the time to sit down with us. This has been a great time. Really great conversation. Thanks for having us. Um, Hopefully next time we talk, we're up and running full steam. Well, yeah, we'd love to have you back on the podcast for an yeah, hour. Yeah, we are definitely going to check back in. You're so excited. Absolutely. I definitely need to find out what the what the skinny is. <laughs> right? Oh, well. I hope you get better. Oh, yeah, I yeah, I'm working on it. I'm close. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to sign off. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Thanks guys. Gang. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody, we want to take uh, another moment here to thank Stephanie and Jackson for their time uh, with that interview. It was great to hear from them and to hear their perspective. Amazing, Uh, Kristen, what did you think of the interview? I I had so much fun. Um, What just natural conversation happened and the flow was so much fun. Um, Really surprised. And I don't know if they said it on our interview just there or if if it was just conversation that we all had but that they've spent more time in their marriage together because of the pandemic than ever before (laughs) because of the the nature of their work I thought that was fun and it just gives me hope that you know we're we're getting out of this we're going to get better yeah I loved seeing uh and hearing their perspective I mean for me personally I you know 
have not had a whole lot of firsthand experience with people in that type of sector of the events industry. And, you know, hearing their thoughts um, was so exciting to me. I'm super excited to be hearing about all these like different positions within our industry and how we're all kind of mutually experiencing this mm-hmm. together in one way or another. And it was just so great. They were great conversationalists. Uh, and I really yeah, I, I agree. I thought it was just the, the whole thing mm-hmm. was, was eye opening in a, in a lot of different good ways and, and how, you know, you, when you grow up and you're not working on a movie set or a TV set that you just kind of think that life is magical for everybody involved and to hear that it's not so always so magical and the struggles and trials that they've had and how much they are keeping their ears to the ground to what's happening in the world and how much COVID affects them on a daily basis. And if you've had that little Q-tip shoved up your nose for testing, you know that you get a little cringeworthy when you hear how often one has to test on a daily basis. So I cannot believe how yeah, much they have to test. It's crazy. <laughs> but, oh my gosh, you guys, everybody watch well, Ozark. So worth it, except my mom. Yes, I watch Ozark. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we just want to thank everyone for tuning in. We are really excited to be back up and running. You have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) And we cannot wait to have you join us again next time when we talk to Miss Helen. So (laughs) for those of you who don't recognize her name, she very notably played Ethel Beavers on Parks and Recreation. Yeah, Yeah, she did. Uh, we chat with Helen on how this whole crazy pandemic has hit her since her age plays a big part of what she has had to do in addition to her role in the events industry. Yeah, she's 90. I'm just going to drop that little nugget. She's 90. And she was featured in, I mean, nobody you know really cares, but she was featured in my favorite Super Bowl commercial. Um, so we will have a YouTube link to that commercial as well. How exciting. Yes, indeed. Yeah, absolutely. Alrighty. Okay, All right, everybody. Thanks, guys. Thank you. See you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.